It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Morning. It was so good to hear her voice. I hope you heard her just a few moments ago talking to all of you, telling you that she will be back and she can't wait to talk to you as soon as she can. In the meantime, I'm here today. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We're the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated solely to election integrity. We'll be talking about elections today. And I'm also on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Always make sure to say that second and not prominently. And I'm possibly the last President Trump appointee that will be in the federal government uh, in 2025. You follow me on Twitter at electionlawctr. That's electionlawctr. Terrible news overnight. Terrible floods in Virginia. Forty people remain unaccounted for in southwestern Virginia. Let's hope that that... Uh, situation does not become a tragedy. And something else is going on that is a tragedy, and we'll talk more about that on the show today, and that's what's happening with churches. Churches seem to have a problem around the country since the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, where they have these spontaneous fires occur, or somehow they're being spray-painted and vandalized all of a sudden. We'll get into that, why this is happening, why more of it, I fear, is on the way. Because some people do not have the ability to peaceably live in a nation built on the rule of law. That they have to revert to more primitive tactics, nor more diabolical tactics when they see something they don't agree with. As I said, I'm an election attorney. I was at the Justice Department in the voting section in the Civil Rights Division, and I couldn't help but notice that anytime some churches are attacked, some churches are attacked, the Justice Department is very, 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 very quick to say that the federal government is going to protect those churches. And indeed, there are cr- uh, criminal statutes on the books to protect people and places from motivated uh, crimes motivated by the attempt to attack you based on your religion or your race. And we've all seen the news where those people are prosecuted. We've all heard the press conferences, I think, about churches being attacked in the past. So my question is, why aren't we hearing anything from the Justice Department now? 
Why is the Justice Department and the Attorney General silent and inactive about these attacks on churches? Oh, some of which just happened. Breaking news. North Bethesda Methodist Church in Maryland and St. Jane's Catholic Church, also in Maryland, recently attacked. Recently, the victims of arson, fire, weapon of choice. But where's the Justice Department press conference? Where, and, and more to my experience, where are the Civil Rights Division criminal section attorneys? Why aren't they going to these places to meet with the FBI team that should have been dispatched? Now, of course, we all know the answer. I'm asking the question to make a point. Because we all know that when it comes to defending churches who might have had something to do with the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's just not quite a priority at the DOJ. They'll get around to that later after they investigate the hate crimes where they work on the equity and diversity working group. Priorities, folks. Priorities. And, and this is one of the stark differences. I think, for those of you who say there's really no difference between the parties, this is one of the differences. Religious liberty and the ability to freely exercise your religion has defenders in one political party and opponents in the other. One political party will defend your church's right not to be attacked by arsonists and vandals and lawyers suing that church because the church terminated the employment of somebody because they didn't agree with the church. Or my favorite case in the last couple of years, the Philadelphia rule that discriminated against Catholic charities because they would not place adopted babies into same-sex marriage homes. In other words, the Philadelphia Catholic charity said, no, we're, we're not going to put Babies in same-sex homes, which they're a private organization, right? They're a private organization. They're representing their beliefs. And guess what happens next? Of course, lawsuits. So the Supreme Court of the United States weighed in, it's just a couple years ago, and said that Philadelphia Catholic Charities has an absolute right under the Free Exercise Clause of the United States Constitution to decide that they're not going to place babies in same-sex homes. And it doesn't matter what the city of Philadelphia government says. It doesn't matter what the state of Pennsylvania says. It doesn't matter what Congress says. That is the right of Catholic charities to follow their beliefs and not put babies in same-sex homes. So almost a unanimous decision, by the way. Almost unanimous, I think Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor was the lone holdout who kept the radical position that the government could tell Catholic charities what to do about their beliefs. So you see how this plays? There are some groups and political parties that will defend religious liberty, and there's others that seem to be leading the attack. And, of course, Sandy has talked 
a great deal in the past about all the birthday cake decoration cases for weddings. We all know about that. Some groups will defend religious liberty and others attack it. So here we are in 2020 with churches now being attacked. If you have an opinion on this, 1-88-589-8840. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios this morning. And the ongoing onslaught on churches continues. And I haven't heard anything from this Justice Department, Merrick Garland, the Civil Rights Division, where I used to work, that are going to do anything about it. So what should the answer be? What, what is the proper response of Christian and Catholic churches around the country when the militant, radicalized, violent left decides to burn them, decides to spray paint them, decides to deface them? What is the proper response of the Christian community? Because we can look at history, and we know that these folks don't have a lot of limits, do they? They're, they're not usually just content with like nasty words spray painted on the door. They don't like to stop there. They won't be happy, of course, until these churches are gone. Because these churches stand in the way of their view about dots. And I would venture to say that these churches are the predominant predominant organizations that led to Dobbs. Not one church in particular, but you get the point. The church as a whole. Now, that of course makes them go crazy too. That of course incites them. And so my question is, what is the proper response to this? 1-88-589-8840. Want to hear from you, I'm Jay Christian Adams. So, all around the country, we have a violent response to the Dobbs opinion. Now, let's flip the script. I always like to engage in script flipping and go back to 1972 when Roe v. Wade came out. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt that there was a whole hunk of violence associated with Roe v. Wade and the people who disagree with it. I doubt very much that Supreme Court justices were having mobs of threatening people show up at their homes. I just have a feeling. I just don't think that was happening in 1972. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody out there can point me in the right direction at one 888 and explain where it was that Supreme Court justices were being threatened by mobs after Roe v. Wade was decided. Or some other entity like the now National Organization of Women, which I would imagine existed in 1972, was somehow having their windows shattered. You see how this works? It's kind of a one-way street, isn't it? Violence for me, but not for thee. We can burn you down, but you never do anything to us. Now, I'm just describing what's happening. I'm not suggesting that both sides engage in violence. But it says a lot about the merits of your cause when you resort to secret in the middle of the night arson. Secret in the middle of the night defacing and spray painting of churches. That says a lot about your cause in my view. 
It means you, first of all, don't think you have the guts to come out in the public square in the daylight to defend your position. It also tells me that you're wickedly diabolical, that your first response is a wicked one. Oh, if you want to talk about wicked, <laughs> I was in the ga gallery in the United States Senate when Justice Kavanaugh was actually voted confirmed, like the minute that the vote went over the total that needed to be. I was there. And the sounds that I heard cackling out of the women, and I've written about this at PJ Media, the sounds I heard coming from the people who decided to disrupt the United States Senate when Justice Kavanaugh got the number of votes needed to be confirmed were unearthly. I've never heard anything quite like it. It had a harmony, multi-layered harmony that is difficult to describe, yet it was shrieking. So these people have got some wild ways. The ones burning churches up have got some strange, strange tactics. We're going to take your calls in the next segment. I'm asking the question, why is it that all of these attacks on churches post-Dobbs have no response from the Justice Department, no response from the FBI, no task forces of United States attorneys. Nothing, nada. But any time a church gets defaced, an African-American church, for example, in the South, which, by the way, a sizable portion of those end up being someone doing it, who's faking it. The entire FBI descends on those places to deter, if nothing else, the behavior. But now with churches after Dobbs, that not a nothing's happening. I'm Jake Christian Adams. We're going to take your calls next to 1-888-589-8840. You're listening to American Family Radio. I'm in for Sandy Rios. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign stand with them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer with 
was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal, and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. There is a missing man table at Naval Air Facility at Sugi in Japan. The POW MIA table is a tradition often found in military dining halls honoring missing service members and prisoners of war. According to Navy instruction, the table settings must include certain symbolic items like an empty chair and a single rose. The table also includes a Bible, and that has apparently triggered a number of sailors. The Military Religious Freedom Foundation fired off a letter to the base commander demanding the Bible be removed. The MRFF claims to represent thousands of Christian service members who allegedly get triggered by public displays of their own faith. They say the inclusion of a Bible excludes any sailor who is not white, straight, or of the Christian faith. The military says they're investigating. To remove the Bible is to desecrate the missing man table. That cannot and must not happen, but it probably will, because there's no room at the table in President Biden's Pentagon for people of faith. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios this morning. It's so great to have you here. I'm going to take your calls in just a moment at 1-888-589-8840. Asking the question why it is the FBI and the DOJ aren't doing much about the attacks on churches. Actually, they're not doing anything. But a big shout out to Todd Starnes there, if you heard that commentary about the missing in action uh, displays in dining halls around the world. I want to give a big shout out to a, a restaurant chain in, in America called Culver's. I was actually traveling through Minnesota not long ago, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin, and I went into a Culver's and sitting there uh, was one of these displays right in the middle of the restaurant, an empty uh, place setting for a missing service member with a flag and a Bible. And I thought, how refreshing. Uh, and so a big shout out to Culver's for doing that sort of thing. But we're talking about the attacks on crisis pregnancy centers, on churches, and how it is that not long ago, whenever a church was, you know, attacked or defaced or burned in the South, that the FBI suddenly had big press conferences, task forces, and everything else. And of course, in a number of those cases, we learned that it was actually a congregant who did it looking for attention and, and, and it worked. But now that we have a rash, a rash of, of church vandalism and attacks and arson after the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, there's crickets. 
from Merrick Garland and the Justice Department. And all of those lawyers that I used to work with at the Civil Rights Division are sitting on their butts in Washington, D.C. and not going and flying off to investigate what's happening. Double standard as usual. We're getting used to it out there, by the way, elite media and government officials. We're getting kind of like hip to your game. We understand we understand the good old double standards that you have imposed on this country. And we're starting to not like it very much. And some people might ask, well, why was this happening? Why is there a double standard? Okay, let's look at Senator Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, or Focahontas. Wasn't that what President Trump called her, the fake Indian? Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, listen to this quote. This is a quote from a United States senator. Quote, in Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. So Senator Elizabeth Warren, listen carefully. We need to shut them down. We need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that, Senator Elizabeth Warren said. Now, let's get the record straight as to what crisis pregnancy centers really are. Because I know a thing or two about this. And crisis pregnancy centers are there to engage in charity, love. They're there to say to the pregnant woman, we will help you. We will give you the tools of motherhood that you do not possess. It is an act of kindness. And this diabolical reframing of that love and kindness by a United States senator just boggles the mind. So when Senator Elizabeth Warren crows that we need to shut down crisis pregnancy centers, places designed to help pregnant women, to give them car seats and diapers and formula and toys and cribs. She wants to shut them down. Now, what does that tell you? Where do these people come from, by the way? Did they just sneak up on us as a country? What were they doing in their teens? torturing cats? I mean, where did we get to the point where she wants to shut down crisis pregnancy centers as a United States senator that offer hope to mothers? I, I just, I can't get it. I can't get my head around it. Deborah, you're in Florida. Good morning. What do you have to say? Good morning. I just walked in and you said St. James Catholic Church. St. Jane in Bethesda, is- Maryland. Okay, thank goodness, because Mount Rainier, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. So, because uh, Mount Rainier is a very historical church as well, and that's right down the street from uh, Peace Cross, where they try to take down the uh, cross. Right. So, right, I, I, right. Just got, I was shaking. I've been trying to call to make no, no, sure. But it's it was... all good, and thankfully it's, it's not near you. But, hey, it's coming to you. Don't forget, these people are everywhere. Uh, Frank, you're in Kentucky. What do you have to say this morning? Um, my, I wanted to say that uh, uh, that the uh, FBI, as a lot of people don't realize, that the FBI is not like it used to be 
they are corrupt. Uh, they have done some evil things in the past. And if you remember when they, when uh, people had realized that their kids had been taught evil things in school about sexuality and stuff like that, and the uh, Mary Goddard didn't actually do the right thing towards the parents. So um, the FBI has turned turned against uh, things that are righteous in God's eye. So um, people have to realize that, that, that the FBI is it's not like it used to be years ago. They are corrupt. Yeah. Mary Goddard, he needs to go. Well, let me explain. Let me add another name to the list, and thank you for your call. Uh, Vanita Gupta. Let me add that name. Vanita Gupta is the Associate Attorney General at the United States Department of Justice. Vanita Gupta was nominated by President Biden, confirmed by the Senate, and weirdly is worth like, like half a billion dollars or some outrageous amount of money. Now, why is it that somebody who has that much money wants to go into the government? We all know the answer to that. Oh, it's public service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Public service means telling other people what to do. Public service in this case means making sure that no Justice Department lawyers from the Civil Rights Division are going to St. Jane or Bethesda Methodist Church to investigate the arson and vandalism. That's what, why Vanita Gupta became the Associate Attorney General. Let me add another name to the list. Kristen Clark. Kristen Clark, I used to work in the same voting section as she did. Kristen Clark is a militant racialist, very hostile to certain races, openly, at least in private, when she's with coworkers. And she is now the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights. She is there and not dispatching investigative lawyers to all of these mounting acts of vandalism around the country directed at churches. You see how this works? Oh, and it's not just one. It's dozens. And it keeps increasing. And the federal government is doing nothing about it. Joshua, you're in Virginia. Good morning. What do you have to say? Hi. Uh, yeah, I think we need to also be careful to take the uh, log out of our own eye um, when we're talking about violence against uh, um, our crisis pregnancy centers and so go, forth. Go ahead and inventory the pro-life violence for us. Okay, so I grew up in the 80s in the pro-life, in the pro-life Okay, so this is 40 years ago. Keep going. Um, and bombings of, bombings of, of the um, of abortion clinics, killings of abortion doctors. We've had and this was when? These people, the pro-life protesters would then also, now this is minor, but they would also, as people walk into uh, abortion clinics, uh, spit on them, throw things on them. Okay. These are things that you are living in the past. Cue up Dexy's Midnight Runners and Men at Work and Disco. Because something profound happened in the pro-life movement. You might have missed it 35 years ago or so. And those people were pushed over the edge. Okay. They were jettisoned. And the movement became one of love, and it became one of helping people, Joshua. You talked about bombings. I, I asked you a couple times, what years were those? Those were, like I said, those were, those were in the 80s, um, and the... 
Can you and name any after 1986? No, I'm, I'm not going to. I won't say whether or not there were. Well, I will say. Well, I can. I I, I'll do one for you. Eric Rudolph. Eric Rudolph was the who hid in the woods in North Carolina, who engaged in that sort of thing. And that was in 1995. So I, I helped you out there. But I, anything after that? Okay, understand. Understand. I'm not saying what I am not justifying is ju- not justifying the, the actions. What I'm saying is that um, these th- these points were made earlier, and I am pro-life, and I am very much uh, against these um, these actions. What I'm saying is that these things do not. When we we have to acknowledge that when anything is inflamed, when any passions are inflamed, they have we that you will have people who take. Uh, extreme positions you cannot we would not have loved we we, we hate actually spoke out very passionately against these things at the times and also said and also said these things can't be used to just to uh tar the entire entirety of our mo- movement and thus and um say that we all support these things so when we when we when you make these when we make these points that these things are not good and that these things are you know, that this is not something that we should do in a civil society, those are all very much true. But you can't uh, try to uh, tar an entire... That's how I'm in an attack. And you can't tar the entirety of of a movement because some people on its fringes make Ah. these... And that's where you have to... You have to make... You have to be very careful to... Not otherwise, you discredit your own arguments. Okay, well, Joshua, I got your point now. Let let's take up some of those points. First of all, I think when a United States senator who's part of that movement that I'm criticizing the violent members of, when a United States senator who's part of that movement calls for shutting down of crisis pregnancy center, I can go a little bit beyond the ones with a spray paint can in their hands. Okay, she invites the broader criticism. That's the first point. The second is, you bring up these earlier attacks, uh, which of which there was just a couple, right? Five, six, we can agree on that in the 1980s. And I threw in Eric Rudolph just to help you out a bit. So there's like less than two hands worth of fingers. So what happened in the pro-life movement after that, I think is really important. And when it came to training, you talk about spitting at people. When it comes to training at abortion clinics, people get trained to do that. There are people designated to train abortion clinic protesters. And the curriculum is exactly the opposite of what you described. It is a deliberate effort to never have those sorts of things happen. And it's been a successful effort because it isn't happening anymore. It hasn't happened for decades. And so I think caution should be doled out in proportion to the need. And when I look at the pro-life movement and what it has done in the last 35 to 40 years since those horrible things you talk about, it has completely purged those elements from it. And so I think it is perfectly reasonable to compare the love you see at, at, at prayer services at abortion clinics and at places like the Mariah Center in Virginia crisis pregnancy centers, compare that with the diabolical wickedness of not only the people with the spray paint cans 
and the uh, fire and matches and lighter fluid who are burning churches and defacing them, but also their their allies in Congress, like Elizabeth Warren, who's calling for places to be shut down. So I can branch out beyond the vandal because they've got a whole network out there of powerful people, and some of them in the White House, who are enabling them. So I think it is perfectly appropriate to talk about the broader issue and, frankly, to tar the broader movement. Because they're enabling the person with a spray paint can when they talk about shutting stuff down. So, Joshua, what do you have to say in response? All right. To um, say in response is that the aim and attack, the attack, the first off, that these um, have always been, these, I have I've had known pe- known people and had had friends who have uh, gone to these uh, gone sought out and had abortions uh, when they were protesters uh, out recently within the last uh, five years or so. Protesters doing uh, what? And they had and they and they ran into they ran into. Now you say that these things are trained. Uh, these protesters. What were are they doing that they didn't like? And they went in and they were. Uh, they they were calling they were a, a uh, call, uh, making a uh, attack on them not trying to make them not trying to they were they're spitting on them they were throwing the way they were spitting on them or they were not I'm sorry I didn't hear they were spitting at pe- at people they, they were, were spitting at them where did this occur this was in New Jersey you're telling me that uh, people in an abortion clinic were spitting on people in New Jersey they were spitting on people yes. Okay, and did the did anyone call the FBI? Because that's a violation of the FACE Act, the Federal Access to Clinics Act. It's a federal law. The, the United States Department of Justice, of course, has prosecuted protesters. themselves had a was um, was very was in a uh, very bad situation at the time, and making it and making it a federal case. Uh, right, but the clinic the clinic would call because they're hip to call the government whenever that kind of stuff happens. I'm wondering if, if that's happened. You know what? We're running out of time. Uh, thank you very much for your call, Joshua. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, maybe you can talk to the next friend who considers an abortion uh, and, and help them out. Uh, I'm Jay Christian Adams. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Full weaponization of the federal government to crush a political opponent. 
politicians and a political party that build themselves as pro-life while refusing to actually do what's in their power to stop the killing of little babies, the successful and unrelenting advance of regressivism. All of these are signs that our national condition is not merely a natural phenomenon. It's spiritual. Civic engagement without spiritual engagement produces political roller coasters. National course correction will only come by national repentance. We must elevate him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content, including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The U.S. and Israeli governments declared for the umpteenth time today that Iran will not be allowed to acquire nuclear weapons. It ain't necessarily so. Israel's interim prime minister, Yair Lapid, is a leftist up for election. He's happy to have a paper pretext not to act in the only way that will, at this point, prevent the mullahs from getting the bomb at any time, namely a full-scale assault on their nuclear weapons program. President Biden is determined to prevent such an attack by Israel as his administration begs the Iranians to sign another bogus agreement for swearing taking that step. The president's promises to use all instruments of American power to prevent it may give unfounded hope to Israelis and others in the mullah's crosshairs, but its only practical effect will be to run out the clock on the preemption option. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios today. So great to be with you taking your calls at 1-888-589-8840. If you're having a big summer day traveling around the country, stay safe. Shout out to the Costello family cruising through Virginia en route to Mississippi. Thanks for letting us know. Stay safe down that drive. So we're talking about the hypocrisy of the Justice Department who don't seem to have much interest in investigating all the church violence that's occurring in the wake of Dobbs. All the vandalism, desecration, and arson, like St. Jane's Catholic Church in Bethesda, Bethesda United Methodist Church, and many, many more we won't inventory on the show. And I'm asking the question why it is that nothing seems to happen whenever one church gets attacked, but not the other. So we're asking the question 
on Sandy Rios in the morning right now. I want to hear from you. We're going to go to Jesse in Arkansas. Good morning, Jesse. What do you have to say? Yeah, uh, I appreciate your show and just wanted to make a point from uh, the Bible about what's going on with the hypocrisy there. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, the Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus told them that a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. So this exposes uh, who the these government agencies are working for. And they're, the, they're working for the same person as the people that are doing this vandalism, and that's the devil. And so that, that makes the point that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And so I'll hang up and listen to your comment. Well, thanks, Jesse. I will tell you that uh, when people resort to sort of middle-of-the-night violence with fire, you know, let's go burn down churches uh, and, and, and light fires to damage churches because of a Supreme Court decision. I think that you, uh, you're you on to something there. Rick, good morning. You're in South Carolina. What do you have to say? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, first of all, if I can, I'd like to say um, I hope Sandy has a very fast recovery. Uh, I also want to say that, uh, Mr. Adams, I really appreciate you standing in for her because it really, when you come on, it really uh, gives people perspective of what's really going on in the world. And I just want to say I appreciate your show. Um, now, um, as of the FBI and all these alphabet agencies that's not doing anything to the churches, it's exactly what the last caller said. It is not these people that's... Um, Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, it's not the flesh and blood that's doing this. It is the devil that's working out here, and he's working through everyone to bring his um, agenda, and that is a, a, everything evil must rise and everything good must uh, die. Um, to get to get rid of God... Um, in this world to to bring out that agenda. Now, if I could, can I respond to uh, Joshua, if we could? Look, Joshua. Go, go ahead, Rick. And anyone you... else, and anyone else that has this same Rick, we thing just here, lost uh, you. Oh, there you are. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm driving, so I'm, I'm trying to do this. Go but, ahead, Rick. Uh, listen, um, if you do not stand against the abortion you are with it. So you have to stand up against this, no matter what they say about abortion. Right, and I, I think I get your point, Rick. And, and I, I know that black and white, you're either with it or you're against it. People struggling. Don't struggle with these issues. People of times decay. You you talk about the bad rising and the good not rising. It, it almost sounds like my vegetable garden now with weeds, okay? Sometimes the weeds take over. Sometimes they need to be gathered up and burned. I get it. But all we can do is the best we can. And part of doing the best you can is to call it out when you see it, like when Elizabeth Warren 
calls for shutting down centers of love, pregnancy centers, calls for having the government shut down places that are giving women diapers and formula and cribs and car seats. I mean, to me, that opens up everything between the guy with the spray paint can at the church in the middle of the night and the senator for criticism. There is no sanctuary saying, oh, we should just talk about the people who are doing the bad stuff, not broadly uh, characterize everybody. Oh, yes, I will. When a United States senator gets up and calls for shutting down crisis pregnancy centers, I'm going to criticize everybody in between her and the dude with the lighter fluid. I'm going to criticize everything in between and call them out. Dallas, you're in North Carolina. I bet you're not in Dallas, North Carolina. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Adams. Um, so I can tell you exactly why there's so much hypocrisy um, with what's going on with these churches and, and uh, the uh, pregnancy support centers. It's because the church is not engaging. Um, you know, we're, we're not being sold in light like, uh, like we've been called to be. Um, we've got to, uh, you know, do so much more uh, engaging with, you know, uh, the, the social systems, uh, engaging with uh, just politics in general, um, you know, not just going out and voting, but, but getting out there and doing work in the polls, and driving people to the polls, um, you know, and we're not holding these people accountable. So when they're not being held accountable, they're going to do exactly what they're doing right now. They're going to just do what they want because they know, you know, it may be a, a, a five minutes on Fox News, but there's no uproar. They're not getting phone calls from, you know, Christian families who are, you know, putting pressure. Uh, these constituents need to, to put the pressure on our elected officials uh, and and we've got to be the light to the world. And we got to do that through actions and not just through, through talking about it. Well, and Dallas, that's a great and very complicated point you raise. And it's one of the reasons why I particularly, uh, it was triggered. Yes, I was triggered by Senator Elizabeth Warren's comments about shutting down crisis pregnancy centers. Folks, this is significant, that quote. Because it shows you this isn't just about abortion, okay? They've got a bigger agenda that strikes at the heart of Christian charity. They don't like the charity. Charity, bad. Ban it. Okay, this is a, a, a stranger and more extreme position than I thought possible when I woke up this morning before I read that quote. Because da Dallas, and we can spend a lot of time inventorying the good and the bad as far as who's doing what, where, you know, because I see a lot, okay? Just a little bit on the good side of the ledger. I see a whole lot of outreach where I am. I see a whole lot of effort to do the kind of things you're describing, to be out in the culture, to be available to people in need. But I would probably guess that isn't everywhere in the country. And so the, qu the question becomes, where is it needed? Who can do more? All very important questions. Donna, you're in Virginia. What do you have to say this morning? 
Go ahead, Donna. Going Hi, once, going twice, um, Donna. Go ahead. I'm here. So Go ahead. I'd like to um I would like to ask a question. What is the difference? Now this is concerning the law and private organizations such as the Catholic Church and adoptions of babies and children by whomever qualifies to do so and does not qualify to do so. If you have a um, pet organization, adoption organization, they make you go through an application process. If you don't qualify to um, adopt a dog or a pet, a cat, for instance, you need to have a fenced-in yard for adopting a dog, uh, and you have to pass uh, the vet saying that you've been a good um, uh, parent of a pet, bring it in for regular medical care. Um, so if government doesn't come down on them and, and say you can't deny someone wanting to adopt a pet because you don't qualify, but they come down on the Catholic Church saying that you cannot deny a same-sex couple because they don't qualify to adopt a baby. Well, like with so many things, uh, you know, pets sometimes get better treatment than children, it seems. But you're on to something, and just we talked about that in the first segment. Catholic Charities in Philadelphia refused to uh, place adopted children in same-sex homes, said it's contrary to our, our beliefs, and the government said you have to. And now that went to the Supreme Court. It was either 9 nothing or 8-1, I forget which siding on the side of the Catholic charities in Philadelphia and said, that's your free exercise of religion, folks. You have a right to practice your beliefs in the United States. It's what separates us from so many other countries around the world, some of which you could be beheaded, by the way. You know, the same countries that execute people for sorcery. Oh, it's true. If you converted to Christianity in those countries, you would be beheaded or stoned or some other horrible thing. And not 300 years ago, 400 years ago, in English-speaking countries, people had to practice their faith in secret. So we have a long tradition. That's why the First Amendment is such a glorious gift to people to exercise their free will of conscience and faith. So we live in a great country. Because we have a First Amendment. Carolyn, good morning. You're in Texas. What do you have to say? Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, every all the callers have made great points, and, and it's all true. But if, it seems that we are a little bit naive in our ways um, to allow so much to go on before major me measures are taken we we have just totally allowed them to push out our constitution and the rule of law and we, if we don't have that we have nothing the, they can do whatever they want with the churches the schools and uh, so much has gone against you know our elected officials our police so we all see it and we all know it but I, I don't understand you know, the not how naive it seems to be that we could just elect it out. They're not going to allow that. They've gained so much power, and we saw it with what happened with this last well, election. And it's uh, something we better have Plan B, and we need to be uh, really pushing our elected officials. They are bullies, and if oh, 
sorry, Carolyn. Sorry there. Um, you said naive. Let me maybe choose a different word. We're not naive. We're patient, right? We understand the domestic tranquility is a precious thing. We don't want to see people getting beaten with traffic cones to death on the streets of Philadelphia. Oh, yes. True story from this week. An elderly man beaten to death with a traffic cone by a group of cackling teenagers like the hounds of hell dancing around him, beating him to death with a traffic cone on video. We enjoy and treasure our domestic tranquility. And we know, based on history, that resetting things back to where they ought to be can disrupt domestic tranquility. And I wouldn't say it's naivete more than it's patience, where we all are watching what's happening in the country, this strange totalitarianism of speech, this Reliance on skin color and doling out privileges, something we thought we eradicated in the 60s. We're all watching. We know what's happening. We're not naive, but we're patient. And we're waiting and watching and hoping the political processes can jolt things back to equilibrium. Because that's what the founders designed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jay Christian Adams. It's been great to be with you this morning on American Family Radio. I'll be back sometime. Hopefully, Sandy will be back sooner. Y'all take care and have a great day. Safe travels, please, if you're traveling. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.